Dennis Stewart with us again for Health Naturally. And um, we've been, you've been scouring the newspapers, I see, and you've been looking at articles that have been coming up about doctors who practice integrated medicine. I have, Jane. I read the papers daily, and I've been noticing lately that um, so-called integrative medical practitioners are being questioned by some of their peers as to the validity of some of the techniques they might be using. I happen to support integrative medicine, and I think we should touch on what's happening there. It's health naturally, and Dennis Stewart is here, and uh, happy to take your calls, 49216216, if you've got a question you'd like to put to him. But we're, we're hoping to look at integrated or integrative medicine, Dennis, mm. and um, perhaps you might enlighten us as to just what's meant by look, that. It's, it's a term that's being used in increasingly now um, by medical practitioners, let me emphasise that, by medical practitioners who are choosing to append to their uh, mainstream medical practice some of what might be called uh, complementary therapies. In other words, they're taking on board um, things which traditionally have not been seen as part of mainstream medicine, but which have been now seen by some general practitioners particularly as being potentially valuable modalities to append to their practice style. So uh, a general practitioner, and let me emphasise this, a doctor, may decide, for instance, to take on board um, some nutritional ideas and place a considerable amount of emphasis on nutritional information and indeed some nutritional supplements so that some integrative medical practitioners might recommend to their patients as part of their treatment that they procure or purchase or use a spectrum of of supplements, vitamins and minerals which may not be um, necessarily done by their colleagues who are not practicing that same style of medicine. Integrative medical practitioners may also uh, use uh, techniques such as acupuncture. uh, Years ago, it would have been um, most unlikely to have seen a medical practitioner um, use acupuncture as, uh, as part of their practice style. Now, acupuncture is practiced by many medical practitioners and uh, and have, uh, in a sense, taken acupuncture into a, a greater level of respectability. So when we're talking about integrative medical practitioners, uh, my uh, interpretation, and let me emphasise this, my interpretation is uh, a group of medical practitioners who are highly qualified in mainstream medicine but who also choose to acknowledge that there are other modalities existing, which can be to the patient's benefit, and they can range, as I've said, from nutritional supplementation uh, to acupuncture therapies, and interestingly, even to the use of herbal medicine. Uh, It it might interest listeners to know that that many uh, medical practitioners, in fact, use herbs, and I have the privilege presently of um, uh, teaching a number of uh, medical practitioners, very skillful medical practitioners, uh, you, how to use herbal medicine in my uh, external or online program. So already out there, there are medical practitioners who are using what I call innovative approaches to treating disease, and that means incorporating 
some of the modalities that we've frequently mentioned on this program. Uh, Health Naturally is the program on 2 and your RFM 49216216. So uh, do some people see that there is a problem with doctors mm. practising integrative medicine, Dennis Stewart? My opinion is that there, um, how can I call it, there is a reaction uh, coming from uh, practitioners of mainstream medicine at some of the innovative techniques that their colleagues are using. Um, every profession has its various, uh, how can I call them, compartments of opinion. And there are some who are concerned that the embracing of so-called unscientific modalities, and I question that term, um, is not good for the practice of medicine. Um, I take issue with that and believe that a lot of the terminology that's used, uh, such as unscientific or non-evidence-based, is, is very provocative uh, because simply, uh, simply because a modality, a way of treating or healing, doesn't adequately meet the scientific parameters on which Western medicine is based, it doesn't mean to say that modality, that uh, therapeutic discipline, is of no value. Uh, We have frequently mentioned on this program that um, medicine is based on two pillars, and one of those pillars is definitely uh, the pillar of science. But the other pillar also is the pillar of tradition, of empiricism, And the two can augment each other. And there are a lot of aspects about even mainstream medicine that are difficult to explain along scientific grounds. And there are very many problems also in what we call complementary medicine, uh, very much based on tradition. Uh, There are problems existing there in as much that a lot of complementary therapy is as yet um, not adequately explained along acceptable, so-called acceptable scientific lines. And so there's this bit of a, a clash emerging between the, the, what I would call, or what in my opinion is the conservative wing of, of mainstream Western medicine, particularly in this country, that want to rein in uh, a lot of innovation which they see is not scientific, but which practitioners of integrative medicine sees being valuable because many of their patients, many of their patients, and let me emphasize this, many of their patients who have not done well on mainstream Western medicine using mainstream Western approaches, when their general practitioner who practices integrative medicine prescribes some alternatives, some different approaches, many of those patients do exceedingly well. And, and this is the reality that integrative medical practitioners, in my opinion, my observation is they are expanding numerically because they are meeting a need. They are meeting a need particularly for people who are not doing well using mainstream medical protocols. And uh, as I say, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. People are out there increasingly there are doctors who are using uh, these techniques building their practices patients are getting improvement and many patients are warming to the idea that their medical practitioner is one who is not biased against uh, some things which some of the more conservative practitioners might be biased against
Well, think of something like sage tea, which has been Correct. based on yes. traditionally yes. based yes. on yes. Uh, much so. over generations, yes. and uh, has there have been scientific studies, haven't they, done into the benefits? There, there is an emerging base to um, to all aspects of of herbal medicine, and. Uh, I come back to the point, Jane, that when I first started practising and teaching 40 years ago, to find, how can you call it, a textbook that would explain how some of the herbs work was very, very rare. Uh, I, I remember one of the greatest finds I found was a little book entitled Medicinal Plants by the Swiss uh, pharmacognosist Professor Hans Fluck. And that was a, an eye-opener to me because in the best tradition of European phytotherapy, which is the term they use for herbal medicine, he went on to explain how many of these herbs contained uh, scientific principles, chemical constituents, which went a long way along the road to explaining the benefits that these herbs had. And if you come back to the herb sage, and we've mentioned sage a lot on this program, and I say it again, some of my uh, most useful and perhaps best results in addressing many women's problems, particularly associated with what we call the change, has been associated with simply recommending the regular daily use of infusions or cups of sage tea because we know now something about the chemistry of sage and putting it in what we might call simple terminology, sage contains what are called phytoestrogens. They are principles, if you like, whose uh, molecules exist in the herb and which to a degree can emulate, to a degree, can emulate the effect of the woman's own hormone. Now, this is something that's occurring over and over again with many herbs. So a lot of the scepticism that even still exists in some conservative medical circles, I say some conservative medical circles, a lot of that scepticism really needs to uh, uh, look at itself and see that with modern herbal medicine, increasingly explanations are forthcoming to support the tradition of herbal medicine that goes back a couple of thousand years. So I'm puzzled. I'm really puzzled as to why there should be what I consider to be this emerging antagonism within the medical profession to some of the uh, innovative practitioners that have taken on board what I consider to be some of this newer knowledge and this newer potential. Can you think of another herb that has been proved to be uh, to have the benefits that it does actually have? So well, look, it, a scientific. It, if we if we if we look at um, herbs, for instance, like uh, well, look at barberry, Berberis aquifolium, or barberry. It is uh, traditionally used, particularly in third world countries, to treat gastrointestinal distress, gut infections. I recommend read it to recommend it to people that go to Bali, many of whom have hitherto come back with barley belly. Now, um, barberry contains an alkaloid called berberine, and berberine has been shown to have a broad-spectrum antimicrobial benefit. So it can be taken uh, very safely uh, to address particularly gut infections of a, a bacterial, of a fungal, or even a viral nature. And so there is a herb uh, used all around the world, latent in Western herbal medicine, used for similar conditions, treating uh, gut pathologies. And now we can understand that some of the activity of that herb is latent in what we call an alkaloid. 
and that alkaloid has, as I've said, defined antimicrobial benefits. So it's not uncommon for me to recommend, say, something like barberry to someone who comes into my rooms and says, look, I've just come back from overseas. I picked up something over there. Uh, I've been treated medically. It's done some good, but the symptoms are still lingering. I still have diarrhoea, cramping symptoms. Um, What should I do? It's not uncommon in that state particularly where the condition has been defined and medically profiled, to say to the person, look, try some barberry. And uh, more and more um, of these uh, integrative medical practitioners, I suspect, are picking up on this knowledge and, where appropriate, where appropriate recommending a herb such as barberry for an unresolved gut condition. And the list can go on and on and on and on. Look at the, 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 one of the most popular herbs that's used in Western herbal medicine, and that is the herb slippery elm. How many times have we mentioned that on this program? Um, in any one day, I would script numerous preparations of slippery elm, and we know how it works. It contains a substance called mucilage, a well-defined, well-understood chemical constituent which has a soothing protective effect on the gut wall, which makes slippery elm a valuable agent in addressing reflux, hiatus hernia, for addressing even inflammatory conditions of the large bowel, treating constipation, a most remarkable substance and its chemistry, which is a mucilaginous chemistry, explains a lot of the benefit. So we can go over and over and over again, and I must say I get distressed when when I see, if you like, this uh, groundswell of objection uh, to innovative or integrative medicine uh, as claiming that is unscientific. Certainly in the area of herbal medicine, I would dispute that strongly and say that herbal medicine is increasingly very well defined. Health naturally and uh, Dennis Stewart is taking your calls on 49216216 as well as talking about uh, integrative medicine and some of the things herbs can do and be well used for and Leanne has rung in on that number anyway from Morpeth. Leanne uh, you've got a question about scalp psoriasis. Hello Leanne. Hello, oh, Leanne. Hi. I've got you. Yes, I have got you now. Um, yeah, I have had a problem with scalp psoriasis for a long, long time, maybe about 30 years. Yes. And um, it just seems to be getting worse over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have other health conditions, but, you know, I hate using all the um, prescription lotions and things that you have to get from the doctor, and they only really treat the symptoms for a short period of time. Yes. And I was just wondering if there's any herbs that I could take that would perhaps help with that. It's, it's quite interesting you should um, mention that, Leanne, because uh, one of my um, graduates years ago, a lovely lady who came into herbal medicine from school teaching, did a lot of work with the herb chickweed. And one of the preparations she made was a chickweed lotion and indeed a a chickweed oil. And that was very, very successful in helping manage uh, the symptoms of psoriasis, particularly of the scalp. If you were to uh, look at the benefits of that little despised herb chickweed, which canaries love, but which is also a very significant medicinal herb, you'll find yep. that, that topically, that is, when used as a lotion or an oil, it has remarkable and specific benefits for psoriasis. So a, a preparation such as 
the infused oil of, of uh, chickweed, which would essentially be uh, an oil that has been, if you like, infused uh, with chickweed, made professionally, of course, okay. uh, yeah. periodically uh, massaged into the scalp, may be quite a useful way of helping clear some of the scales and some of the irritation associated with it. Whether the use of chickweed lotion or the infused oil of chickweed would entirely clear the condition up, um, it's debatable, but certainly it is an alternative to perhaps some of the stronger and more problematic medications uh, you might have been taking. Um, yeah. You're at, at Morpeth. There may be some compounding pharmacists or herbalists around there that, um, that stock a chickweed lotion or, in fact, infused oil of chickweed. I'd be surprised if you couldn't get some of the infused oil of chickweed, uh, which... Um, I would suggest would be worthwhile giving a go as far as a topical treatment is concerned. Now, the other thing is you have rightly said that you would like to look at some ways of addressing this condition um, uh, from taking a medication or a supplement perspective. For the most skin conditions, particularly this condition, psoriasis, which for the sake of listeners is a stubborn difficult skin condition to treat which manifests itself in multiple places of the body particularly the scalp in the form of uh, thick scales um, I would be suggesting a quiet perseverance with either uh, in capsules of oil of evening primrose or capsules of fish oil Okay. Now, they have to be taken again consistently, and I keep saying don't see them as a quick fix. Supplements like this are nutritional and have to be worked at over a period of time. And with both those supplements, it is taking them in the correct dosage, which is usually much more elevated than what most people uh, use those supplements in. So I would, aug okay. if I were in your situation, I would augment uh, my daily routine with supplements of either one or both of those oils. Now, the third thing I will say, and I've said it frequently on this program, if we see the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983 as being, if you like, the, the guide or the Bible of modern Western herbalism, the most important and specific herb called up in that text, which I have great um, regard for, it is the herb sarsaparilla. Now, oh, okay. sarsaparilla is frequently seen as a cordial. What I'm talking about is the herb sarsaparilla when taken as what's called a fluid extract. That is, the herb sarsaparilla has been processed and converted into a concentrated extract, which then is taken in the dosage stipulated in the literature. If I was someone battling with psoriasis uh, and not doing well and having had it for a long period of time, I'd be working with those hints. Look for a preparation of chickweed, a topical preparation for the scalp. Use some supplements long-term of either primrose oil or fish oil. And thirdly, uh, from your pharmacist, your health food store, or your herbalist, get hold of the fluid extract of sarsaparilla. And all the very best with that, Leanne. That uh, gives you something to work on. 
thank you very much. I appreciate that, Dennis. Thank you, Leanne. And we're moving to Gresford. Lynn's got a, a question. And, uh, Lynn, you want to know why, when you're completing a hospital admission form, why you have to mention the herbs you're taking as well as the medical treatments? No, not actually. Uh, good day, uh, Jane and Dennis. Hello, Lynn. How are not- you? Uh, I'm reasonable. I haven't seen um, you or your husband for a while. I miss those eggs. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going down to Melbourne. Oh, in, well, that's no good. <laughs> in two weeks' time to see the um, neurologist. Okay. The, the okay. number one neurologist yes. in Australia. Oh, that's good, Lynn. That's good. Now, going back to what I called for, yes. it's not that I'm asking why, mm. it's uh, when I have to fill out forms to go into hospital, yes. which has been a regular yes. thing in the last yes. 18 months, of uh, they, they always ask for your medication, yes. including herbal yes. medication. Yep. That's correct. Yes, so I, that's the, what I wanted to Why Why let. they do that? No, that's what I wanted to let you, tell you, and also the listeners. Okay. Look, that's a, that, that uh, what you have stated is very important because some people, when they are seeing their doctor or going in for a hospital procedure, do question why uh, they have to give this information. Let me just say again to listeners, you must realise that uh, all medications can interact and herbal medications are no exception. Whilst I consider the herbs that we're permitted to use to be very, very safe, um, nevertheless, some of them may uh, interact with conventional medicine and may interact with medication uh, being given in, in a hospital situation. And, and the, the other thing is this, that if the uh, admitting doctors are not aware of some of the other medications you might be using, if something occurs in the procedure or at the post-operative uh, area or, or state, if something occurs which is, is not well understood uh, and, and there's no understanding that you might have been on something that you haven't told them about, that can create great confusion. So I say to all my patients and to all people using herbal medicine, my advice would be that if you are to have a medical procedure, it is wise, A, to let the uh, admitting doctors or nurses, let them know that you have been on complementary medicine and my advice is to curtail that complementary medicine unless specifically uh, authorised or instructed uh, by your general practitioner, my advice is to go off the, the complementary medicine until the procedure is finished and then make a decision as to whether or not it's okay to go back onto it. I think there are, that's a valid a thing to do when one is going in for a procedure so that the people looking after you have a complete understanding of what has been prescribed by your doctor and the other things that you may have been taking. That's the reason why I think we have to do that. So thanks very much, Lynn, for bringing up that point. It's mm. definitely worth um, worth broadcasting. So Daryl's rung in from Hawk's Nest on 49216216, Health Naturally. Um, uh, Daryl, your question is about sleep apnea. That's right. Hello, Daryl. Good day, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well. How can I help? 
that would have a significant effect. Are you using CPAC? No, no, it's just something that has been uh, spoken to by um, a heart surgeon for my wife. Okay, look... Or not a heart surgeon, a cardiologist, sorry. Well, I would be... If if I had sleep apnea, Mm -hmm. I would be using the CPAC machine, which has changed the lives of many people and taken a lot of um, cardiac stress and concern away for the individual i think that i would be following uh, seemingly following the advice of your wife specialist and consider using something like that rather than look for any herbal medication or other medication when it comes to that uh, point of view i can speak from our family's perspective um, one of my son-in-laws is, is, is a, a big lad and um, he was experiencing cons- considerable sleep apnea. It changed his life when he started using CPAC machine. So that sounds as though that might be the way to go. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is a concern, isn't it? Is, it is, because it places stress on the home. This is Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart taking your calls. Pauline has rung in from Maitland on 49216216, and it's all about your friend who has a cough, and I bet she's finding that's that annoying. That is correct. And uh, it's all to do with a nasal drip. Yes, right? I said it's a nasal drip. It's not a wet cough, it's a dry cough, and it's just like this tickly, and she coughs, and they put her on antibiotics for six weeks, and she's had this for so long. And I said, go Um, and see Dennis. I said, because he will fix you up. And I said, I'm going to ring him up. Well, there you go. Look, the the, the fact that it's not a productive cough uh, speaks for itself. It says that Mm. what what you're looking at here is what I call uh, an irritable cough, which in most cases can be helped, as far as the symptoms are concerned, Mm. by using the following herbs, which frequently come in in over-the-counter, uh, yeah. cough mixtures uh, mm-hmm. or which can be prescribed by a compounding pharmacist or indeed mm-hmm. a medical herbalist. The two mm-hmm. herbs that are of most use here, in my mm-hmm. opinion, are the herbs slippery elm, mm-hmm. uh, marshmallow, and by the mm-hmm. way, slippery elm and marshmallow are very similar in their actions, so one mm-hmm. or the other would do. They contain one of the most soothing principles in herbal medicine, which I have mentioned today, which is called mucilage. And yeah, so I think what the, the problem is, then, is they say it's her sinus and yes. it just constantly drips. Okay. Well, to deal with the cough to start with, mm-hmm. a, a mixture that incorporates slippery elm and or marshmallow plus mm-hmm. licorice. Licorice mm-hmm. is remarkable for its anti-inflammatory effect as mm-hmm. well as its soothing effect. Now, that's, print, mm-hmm. that's a way of easing, if you like, the cough. It's not addressing, however... The, yeah. the the uh, what we used to call the upper respiratory tract catarrh yeah, that's, right. that's causing mm. this. Now, one way of, of doing this, one yeah. way of doing it, is to take on board English herbalism uh, as yeah. articulated again in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia where, yeah. where interestingly, uh, two herbs, mm. the herb Echinacea yeah. and the herb Eyebright mm. are called up as being specific 
these upper respiratory no. tract catarrhal problems. Mm. They are two remedies that work both on any chronic, latent, low-grade infection mm. and, and also the inflammatory condition that's causing the catarrh mm. to be secreted. So mm. as a starting base, and that's a very inexpensive starting base, mm. she could go. You've got a good health food store up there in, in Maitland. I know them yes, well. That's right. And you yes. would have some compounding pharmacists. Yes, a, it is, yeah. a, a cough mm. mixture incorporating the herbs that I mentioned, mm. marshmallow, slippery elm and licorice, and also... Uh, those, uh, two. Those, those two. Those two. Those three, sorry. Those three yeah, those together three. in a cough mixture. Yeah, and, and for uh, an oral medication, the supplement, mm. I would be suggesting an encapsulated uh, preparation or encapsulated preparations of echinacea mm. and, and the herb eyebright, which I know are uh-huh. available in an encapsulated form. Ah, uh, so they're in a capsule, right. Yeah, but she's, she's had this for years, and I said, go yeah. and see Janice. Yeah, well, look, uh, a cough can, once a cough gets settled uh, and mm. becomes chronic, it can be a very, very difficult situation to resolve. Uh, mm. But here, the primary factor is to try to lessen the inflammatory activity in the but, sinuses that are causing exactly the problem. Right. That's exactly it, right. It might also pay her to to do what um, many naturopaths would recommend her here, that is perhaps to give a bit of a break from so-called mucus-forming foods and mm. uh, milk products have always yeah, been seen. Yeah, give away dairy. Well, for, mm. for a period of time, look, it doesn't mm. always work, but sometimes mm. there's a remarkable reduction in, yeah. in the, uh, the, the post-nasal mm. drip as, yeah. as breaking into uh, this condition. I used to recommend that a lot as a younger practitioner, and it, it worked particularly well with younger people where mm. uh, their parents would take them off um, cow's milk products and give them a run yeah. on even mm. goat's milk products. Mm. Mm. But if she was to come to see you, you could prescribe, you could make her up some sort of mixture, couldn't you? Or well, she's probably, like be- she's probably better initially to get... Uh, yeah, because, look, mm. those things are not expensive, and no. it's, it's much better to take the initiative and mm. and do something for yourself, particularly mm. when it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Mm. If that mm. doesn't mm. work, well, then, of course, you seek other assistance. Well, all the very best mm. to your friend, indeed, Pauline. And uh, we've still got time for a couple more calls. Liz has rung in from Swansea on 49216216. And uh, something you missed, Liz. Yes, um, I heard Dennis say earlier there was a um, herbal that could help reflux, yes. acid reflux. Yes. Look, I've mentioned this herb uh, frequently today, and I will say it again. Um, the herb slippery elm. Yep. And in the right dosage. I come back to this point, in the right dosage. Uh, if right. one If one were trying to address gastric reflux or what we used to refer well, to as... reflux I have, yep. Yeah, or what we used to call hypercidity, um, mm. I would be taking, say, a teaspoonful of slippery elm powder. I think for gastric reflux, it's, it's, in my opinion, a better way of using that, which in many ways is a food, uh, a, right. te- a teaspoonful of it, uh, right. say morning and night, right. should, should provide some buffering on the gut wall to the acidity. I'd be most surprised if it didn't do something for you. But well, I'm currently on SOMAC plus um, yeah. ranitidine morning yeah. and night, and it just, um, if I have any butter or yes, oil, in, oil in food or acid in food, mm. uh, six, eight hours later, it just rides back up and, oh, it's horrible. Well, the good yep. thing about it is uh, with slippery elm, because its chemistry is so entirely different to that 
of those two uh, prescribed medications, which I know very well, because mm. the chemistry is quite different, it's mm. most unlikely that there would be uh, any clash by Good. using the no. slippery elm in conjunction with what yeah. your good doctor has prescribed. So that would, be, that would be the first step that I would be considering. Thank you so much, Dennis. I'm sorry I had to bring you back, but no, I was driving fine. and I, I couldn't that's concentrate fine. to hear the name. No, that's good, Liz. That's what we're here for. Yes, thanks for your call, Liz. Uh, getting towards the end of the show, but um, just uh, it's probably worth saying that uh, when you were talking to Pauline about the, uh, the, the things for the cough, the herbs for the cough, I thought you were describing a dessert. <laughs> Licorice, marshmallow... <laughs> Well, some people confuse confuse marshmallow herb with with the uh, confectionery or the, the, the food that we grew up on marshmallows. Yeah, a big difference. With a, a big with difference. a nice little fire yeah, and a, 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 big and a stick, and, and, yeah, and a definitely big a big difference. <laughs> so um, perhaps we might just. Um, have a look at your you you said something about your online course Dennis mm. that uh, can you tell well, us look, a little the, bit the, about the, that there there are many um persons around the country who want to study um, herbal medicine professionally and many of those are medical practitioners two of my best students presently are medical practitioners and so what they do is contact me obviously and uh, we supply them with uh, DVDs of the last postgraduate program that I conducted in Melbourne a couple of years ago, which is essentially a system-by-system approach where my treatment protocols um, are taught, explained, and it's all uh, by virtue of watching the DVDs, my terrible-looking physique, in my best lecturing form, and that has helped many people. And again, I say many of those are great integrative medical practitioners who are the wave of the future. I love teaching them. I've taught hundreds of them. And these are the people that are not uh, frightened to be seen as using a protocol that in many ways can augment or sometimes uh, give a better result than what they've been trained to use. And just time for one more quick call. Jenny's rung in from Morissette Park, Dennis. And uh, Jenny... You'd like it's yes. a... Hello, Jenny. I'll have I'll have I'll have to be quick here. You have psoriatic okay. arth- you have psoriatic arthritis. Interestingly, yes. the the main herb for that is also the herb sarsaparilla in the British herbal pharmacopoeia. So you would have okay. you would have no trouble um, getting sarsaparilla as a liquid extract from the people in Morissette who I believe have a herbal dispensary. Okay, no problems whatsoever. Thanks very much. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for the call, Jenny. And, of course, 49216216 next week when we won't be here at all, will we? That's right. Because next week is Good Friday. We won't be here. I hadn't realised that, Jane. But never mind. We'll catch up the week after. In the meantime, just uh, in our last minute, Dennis... um, the 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 people that you are dealing with online mm. are they mainly general practitioners? No, not are, all of them. You know? um, many of them come from a naturopathic background who want more expertise in herbal medicine. Many of them are pharmacists. In fact, in the courses that I have taught, uh, in particular the last post grad program I taught in Melbourne, which my um, uh, external program is based on, the number of pharmacists and general practitioners was was quite outstanding and they've made over the years uh, some of my best graduates 
uh, uh, pharmacists and um, uh, doctors. Uh, many of them are long-standing friends now that I fortunately can call on when I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it's all about, uh, yeah, you, you slap my back, I'll slap you. Well, yours, I, th- I think this is the way to look at integrative ways. medicine and some of the integrative practitioners are the ones that are acknowledging, oh, look, go and see this person or go and see that person. Mm. Uh, there's no monopoly and mm. that's what I'm all for, no monopolisation of trying to heal the human being. Well, thank you very much for that uh, conversation, discussion, Dennis Stewart, today on good. integrative medicine and some great topics brought up by our, our listeners. And we'll be back the week after next on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.